This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate, so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K through 12th grade curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. If you want to bring IXL to your school, you can learn more at IXL.com backslash B-E. That's IXL.com backslash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, activity periods, RTI, therapy, and teacher appointments, and much more. With its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE. This is Dr. Karen, and you are listening to the DeFacto Leaders Podcast, where I help pediatric therapists become better leaders so they can make a bigger impact with their services. On this show, I'll share up-to-date evidence-based practices, my own experiences, and guest interviews designed to help clinicians and educators feel more confident in the way that they serve their caseloads so they can help school-age kids grow up to be successful, kind, well-adjusted people. Hey there, it's Dr. Karen, and welcome to episode 90 of the De Facto Leaders Podcast. I am so excited for this episode today. Today, I have a very special guest named Merlin Anderson, who is actually someone that I've known from my local running community for, I think, almost 20 years. I think it was 2004, so that would be 18 years that I have known Merlin. So Merlin is somebody who I thought would be a great person to bring on the show because a lot of my listeners are people who work in the school systems, who work in private practice, and who are providing services for kids in their communities. And I talk a lot about being a good leader in your facility. And I've also mentioned the idea of being a leader in your community as well. As you know, a lot of the kids on your caseload might need to access community resources. And it actually helps you be a better leader, help your clients more if you can be aware of the resources in your community. And what's even better is if you feel like you aren't making the impact you want, if you were to take initiative and start something in your community to help kids. Now, I know that a lot of times people don't 
necessarily do that, partly because they don't know where to start. They feel like they're just one person. They can't make a difference. It just feels really overwhelming because there are so many needs and everything that they do just feels like a drop in the bucket. I wanted to bring Merlin on because he has actually started something in his community, in the community that I live, that has actually generated over $200,000 for local charities that support kids. And it all started with people literally just putting some money in a bucket. It all started with just five people who decided that they wanted to give back to their community, and it grew from there. And they've really been able to do some amazing things. And I know that sometimes in your job, it can feel like you're not making a difference. And I just wanted to share an example of someone who, through consistency and persistence over time, has been able to make a difference in the community and really emerge as a leader. This is not the only way that Merlin has been a leader within the community. As I mentioned, he is an active member of the running community, so he's always out volunteering at local running events. But today we're going to talk specifically about what is known as the ABC Run. So if you are a member of the running community in Bloomington Normal, Illinois, you probably may have heard of that. But if you are not from this community, then I invite you to listen in and use this as some inspiration for ways that you can give back to your community and find other ways that you can support kids outside of just your direct therapy services that you may be providing. And I know that sometimes it can feel a little bit overwhelming to think about going above and beyond or even just create your vision for what you might want to do. Creating that vision and executing on different leadership initiatives like this is actually part of what I do in the School of Clinical Leadership. The School of Clinical Leadership is a year-long program that helps pediatric therapists to be better leaders whether it be finding the time to do some kind of a community service project like the one that we're going to talk about in this episode, or whether it be being a leader on your team and getting everyone on the same page, doing different staff or parent trainings so that you can see better generalization with the skills that you're working on with your students. All of that falls under the umbrella of leadership, and it's going to be so important to you making an impact with your services, with your talents, and with your expertise. So to learn more about how to become a member of the School of Clinical Leadership, you're going to want to go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash clinical leadership. Again, if you are a speech pathologist, psychologist, social worker, or other school professional, and you want to learn how you can be a better leader so that you can help your students generalize and so that you can provide comprehensive support across your students' day, then go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash clinical leadership. So now let's go ahead and get started. And please enjoy this interview with Merlin Anderson. So today I am joined by Merlin Anderson. So thank you so much for being here with me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. 
So I thought we could start off by just having you tell us a little bit about yourself, like who you are and what you do. <laughs> well, uh, I am retired, so I don't do too much <laughs> in the way of productive work, but I while away my time binge watching shows and thinking about uh, how to plan for the next uh, ABC run. Yep. And recording information about the ABC runs that have been done and reporting on them. So you've been a runner for a long time. So obviously ABC runs, we'll get into what that is in just a few minutes, but running has always been a big part of your life, right? Since 1969. Okay. When I went to college, a lot of my entertainment was getting in pickup basketball games and things like that that required uh, several other people. Mm -hmm. And when I graduated, I didn't have access to a gym. So the easiest thing to do was to put on those high top basketball shoes, Converse All-Stars, and head out the door and go for a run. So did you run competitively in college or? You know, I tried it once my junior year. I decided uh, because I was doing a sedentary job and going to school full time that I was getting out of shape. And I decided to go out for the college cross country team because I thought that might be cool running across golf courses Mm -hmm. and whatnot. And Mm -hmm. that way I'll certainly get in shape. And I thought I had saved enough money that I could afford to be not uh, working so much and I could spend some time doing an actual uh, collegiate activity. So you hadn't run competitively at that point, but then you, you tried out for cross country as a college junior then yeah it was like a division two school is now it was Mankato State in Minnesota kind of like an Illinois state only Mm -hmm. Uh, in most sports they're division two level not division one I spent most most of the time uh, being one of the many runners but did get into the top seven and was selected to go uh, qualified time-wise to go to the nationals and finished in the middle of the pack last on our team at the nationals that we sent. That's still pretty impressive because a lot of people get into running and sports when they're, you know, even if you get in and when you're in high school or college, it's hard to pick up. So that's pretty impressive that you were able to get that far just trying out as a, you know, being a junior in college. I guess maybe it was the making up for lack of talent in the pickup basketball games by (laughs) working extra hard. That was my game was hustling and running and playing defense. So Mm -hmm. I think, but, but uh, I I did go through the levels of improvement. That was fascinating because I could see the rewards of hard work. I eventually went back to it once I, I say graduated from college and needed a form of exercise. And this is something I didn't have to do with others, but you could do with others, Mm -hmm. but I can do it anytime I want, anywhere I want. Yeah, that's what always seemed really appealing to me about running. I was a swimmer and a figure skater, and they made us run when they would, when we would get back to that, that first two weeks of school in the high school swim team season. And I remember they made us run like two miles, which is, you know, way less than what we have done before in some of the runs and some of the group runs in town. But I just remember just dying because our coach was a triathlete. So she wanted us to run as well as swim. 
But then I ended up running when I was in grad school, actually, and decided to run a marathon as my first race, which probably isn't the best way to get started with it. But that is actually how I got to know you because I joined the the Lake Run Club after that. And you were you're an active member still within that community. So do you want to talk a little bit about I know that so you ran you got into running when you were in college and it's something that you went back to just as kind of a hobby, a sport, and you've been really active in the running community, just arranging different volunteering events and things like that. Can you share a little bit about some of the things that you've done in the community, just running in general, before we get into the specifics of ABC runs? Well, before we got into at charity runs, at there, we went to, you know, just a lot of fitness running and then running with friends and then with running with friends, getting interested in some races mm-hmm. that I heard about and then uh, doing pretty well in races, which was encouraging. Uh, also having to work harder and never thought I'd have to work because, you know, everybody suddenly turns serious and <laughs> suddenly they're going so much faster than you usually run. Yeah. <laughs> and you uh, either get left behind by the ones you usually run with or mm-hmm. you put forth more effort because you got to finish feeling like you gave it a good shot. Mm-hmm. I remember feeling very accomplished when I finally was able to keep up with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that, that was that was fun. Uh, the, the times of running together when uh, we're in a race and usually you try to get ahead of someone who's running with you but you want to run with them for quite a while because they really help you keep your pace going rather Mm -hmm. than if the field spreads out you kind of feel sorry for yourself with how bad you feel and it feels so much better to run with someone and you can keep up the same pace so Mm -hmm. I'm just running with you long enough so you can get me closer to the finish line so I can try to push ahead later but That's exactly. There's a picture of us on Facebook somewhere running a 5k and we're together, but then you pulled away from me at the end. So it was, I think it was evergreen one year. Yeah, You got your revenge later. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I know that you, you've always been very active with just, um, you know, like volunteering at the finish line, hosting runs at your house and just, you know, arranging things for people and bringing people together. And that eventually led to what, what is, what you refer to as ABC runs. So can you share a little bit about what ABC runs are and how they got started? Yes. There's a group of uh, friends that I had that were training for a marathon. And I once mentioned to Meg, you know, we do some crazy things out there. Uh, you know, in the winter time, we may be throwing snowballs or stopping for snow angels, uh, do some snow angels, and we're kind of acting like kids. So maybe, uh, you know, I never do anything for kids other than play with my own children and grandchildren, but I don't really do anything for other kids. And actually, our own children, Meg does most most of it. And I, you know, like a typical guy, I'm the guy that uh, fires them up by by playing and getting them rowdy and you know <laughs> causing causing trouble in that way. And I thought, well, there's one thing I can do, seeing as I'm not going to be a counselor, I'm not going to be an educator of, of young children, but uh, we could raise money for them and 
we're so lucky to be able to uh, play like children. Maybe every time we go out and play like children, what if we threw a little money in a bucket and give it to a worthwhile cause that rate, uh, serves a local purpose, like the baby fold for adoption services and family counseling services and and there are other organizations that provide uh, preschool education to families that may not have the funds to to pay for the preschool education that they need. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just a wide variety of needs in the community. Mm-hmm. And, and Meg said, well, that'd be a good idea. And so it just started informally and just a few of us at the first one. And it grew grew by word of mouth from there. Uh, when Meg invited some of her friends and convinced me to start not at seven o'clock in the morning, but uh, say eight o'clock, something <laughs> a little more amenable to more people, and that uh, and plus she had more friends than I had, so naturally <laughs> it, it grew by word of mouth when she spread the word, and then it grew a bit more when she started the tradition of making coffee cake. And other people would bring things, and it became the the potluck. Mm-hmm. And if you remember the church potlucks, only this is sort of the running yeah. potluck with a free will offering. But the events are free, and any amount is great, which encouraged the main purpose is we enjoy getting together and running, and anything people want to give is great. And sometimes you get, uh, you know, most everybody ends up throwing something in the bucket. And if they forgot to bring their billfold or the checkbook, that's fine. Catch us later mm-hmm. or double up on the next one. And it, and it, uh, there's a, we had a core group that really liked doing that. And so ed, what does ABC stand for? Adventures Benefiting Children. Uh, yeah. The thought, the thought was with the friends, we were acting, we were, we were being childlike, not childish, but we we're being childlike mm-hmm. in that we were, having some fun while we were running and we were going to different places like Parklands Foundation to run in the park, sometimes adding around the park, sometimes uh, forging our own trails, uh, finding ways across the creek. And so they were kind of adventures and we'd go to different places. We decide on a different place each time. And when we first started doing ABC runs, we were doing that. We would hold them at the, uh, First one was at Parklands, mm-hmm, and it was for Timber Point Outdoor Center, but it was at Parklands, and we've done others at Kumlara Park, Dawson Lake, and Sugar, uh, Funks Grove, Sugar Grove Nature Center down there. And then when we did some for uh, charities that are in the community, we found it worked really well to, say, have the baby fold host them. They'd have a room. Mm-hmm. We can come back in if it's raining or weather isn't good we have a place to meet for the ones that for some of them to be in town hosted by a family at their house or like at the baby fold or at one of the local parks uh, where we had a little bit of a shelter mm-hmm. and and we found that most people like the road option only some people like the trails so when we go down the sugar Grove nature center we have a trail option and a road option yeah, I like that one because there are a couple options. And so it's it is sort of a choose your own adventure. Um, you can show up and run as much as you want. You can donate as much as you want. You can um, you know, contribute what you want to the potluck. And eat so, as much as you want. 
Yep. <laughs> yeah. So for people who are listening who have never been to an ABC run, which, you know, there are a lot of people who are not local listening in, it's literally just a group run and everybody throws money in a bucket, but it's also, but it goes towards a specific charity that you've arranged beforehand. Correct. Correct. And 100% of what goes in the bucket goes to the charity because it's a potluck. Different people mm-hmm. are bringing, right. bringing food and there are no t-shirts to buy. We have had some t-shirts, but those are sponsored. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've only had three t-shirts in 175 ABC runs, and those were to mark specific milestones. So we, we in general, we don't have t-shirts to uh, spend on, and we don't spend on it because they're completely sponsored. Mm-hmm. And we don't have trophies. And, of course, we don't rent porta-potties. Uh, there are no expenses so 100% goes to the charity. So that that was kind of the core group. On the other hand, we don't publish, we don't time people. There's no, there's no results. So if you're looking for a competitive experience, we're we are not it. So our participation does, isn't quite as high as as the big events. But on the other hand, we hold we've held eight per year, up to as many as twelve per year of these mm-hmm. ABC runs. So. In total, it amounts it amounts to a bigger event. Yeah, I think that sometimes people feel like if they're going to do something, it has to be this big organized thing. Like if you think a charity run, you think an organized five k with timing, with you know the the chips and the the t shirts and all the swag that you get at a race and official results. But this is literally just. You just, you know, get people together and run. And obviously you just have to do the work ahead of time to, you know, have the relationship with all of the different organizations that you donate money to. But just the the idea that it can be something as simple as getting together with your friends and putting money in a bucket and donating. So I, I really like that because I think that a lot of times people feel like like they don't get started with something because they think it has to be this huge thing when really just being consistent and doing doing it over and over again can make a big difference. So what is, I know that you are a numbers guy. Do you know how much money you've donated to local charities over the time that you have been doing ABC runs? For the 175, it's, ABC runs the grand total is something like two hundred and six or two hundred seven thousand dollars. I've got it right here. Oh, two oh six three forty one two hundred six thousand three hundred forty one dollars. And I think I looked that we had. I say it's a core group. We usually have thirty to forty. Sometimes we have as few as say twenty uh, at an event, uh, and we've had ones with you know, more than 40. We had more than 100 at the 100th ABC run Mm because we kind of pushed that one. Yeah. And we had one that had over 200 people once that was for a child with cancer. And so that was publicized among different the different schools by the teachers in the schools and got lots of parents. That's counting all the people that attended, not just the runners. But Mm -hmm. that was an unusual case. But usually I'd say there's typically 30 to 40 people. And there happens to be 48 people that have done at least 30 of those 175 ABC runs. Wow. So it's a core group, but we've had a lot of, we've had, I think, more than 1,700 people that have 
have run an ABC run. Some people are interested in a single event for a particular charity, and then uh, th that was be the only one they attend. And others uh, come repeatedly. We have one person that's attended 100, uh, you know, that's not other than me uh, or Meg that attended 115. Wow. And we have a half a dozen that have attended at least 100. So it's it's a, a core group tends to be a family group and that many of the participants uh, both both husband and wife attend and sometimes the kids come along of course I'm counting attendance uh yeah I have, I, I keep attendance and I keep the total dollar amount so I know how many people attended each ABC run uh generally how many people that did not attend but but wish they could have been able to attend they're out of town sent their contribution in and it all adds up for that charity of the 13 times we've done it. It was the second highest in financial contribution, even though only 29 were, were able to attend. Yeah, I but, think that was the one where there was the thunderstorm <laughs> looming. Yeah, I guess the thunderstorm uh, held Stuck off. <laughs> and the wind wasn't as strong as they said, but just when the last person was finishing, the ones that went, mm -hmm. the, you know, people <laughs> went four or five miles, the ones that went, uh, five miles uh, it's like their last couple blocks it was starting to rain and the wind was picking up and y'all got inside the house before getting totally uh, drenched so it held off and we did fine you know I got I got in the house I think if if I was if I'm remembering correctly, which one you're talking about I was at that one and I just missed it but I know there was one person who got got stuck in it for a couple of minutes, but I think the coldest one, I went to one, I think it might've been in Leroy maybe by where they did the um, tri-shark on the tri old tri-shark course. That's, um, is that Moraine View State? Moraine Park? View. Yeah. It was mm, five degrees. So we did not loiter around and socialize that much afterwards because there wasn't an indoor facility for that one and I know there are some where it was really hot um one when we were running in the snow there was uh no the streets weren't plowed and it had just dumped on us the night before so that one was that was definitely an adventure there were snow angels at that one yes I'm sure one there of my were. favorite photos is of the snow people doing <laughs> the snow angels so what kinds of things have these organizations been able to do? I know some of them have other funding, but some of them don't have a lot of um, funding sources. So what kinds of things are these organizations able to do with the contributions from the runs? Well, this, uh, the Seedling Theater is a good example of an organization that did not have much other funding. The director of the Seedling Theater was covering many expenses out of her own pocket. In other words, she was just so uh, very devoted to it. What a great program and was really had no financial support. And we were the main contributor. She's been getting other contributors. Uh, some companies will make a contribution. Um, and by the way, those that are state farm employees can submit to a state farm mm -hmm. match or their company does uh matching gift program if there's other companies that do that so uh, and i don't count those in among the 
the ABC runs, that's the corporation, but the charities ever since companies started doing that are getting a little extra boost. But uh, um, for putting on the, the plays, you know, the dis- um, children with the developmental disabilities and adults with developmental disabilities uh, for the Seedling Theater that are involved in that program, oh, they had, they were renting sound equipment so they could buy some of their own sound equipment. They have, um, amazingly, even though that's their 501c3 organization and they're doing this educational and charitable purposes, they need to pay a pretty good fee for the rights to put on the plays that that they're putting on. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's no exemptions for charitable organizations, as far as I know, or at least I I suppose everyone would file for a 501c3 if they wanted to avoid copyright Mm -hmm. fees for uh, putting those on. So they have those fees that are annual and there's equipment that they need. So they've been able to do a lot with the, the contributions that we've given them. Sugar Grove Nature Center, which has been around for a long time and has uh, funding through their Sugar Grove Foundation, there is extras that they can get, such as they wanted, they needed about $1,200, I think, to get some software and equipment where when the kids go out and get like little slides, you know, like biology you know, slides, okay. um, or, you know, like the little chemistry slides with uh, of uh, things that they can find in the creek or uh, leaves or things they can find in the woods. And they want to put them under the microscope that they can uh, connect that to a computer to a proje- and to a projector and, and save that. And, they, and we're able to do that as a little extra. So sometimes they'll let us know what they're able to do. Uh, Heartland Head Start uh, used one year's worth for purchasing some software for art purposes, and they demonstrated the capabilities of it by making us a very nice thank you poster, which oh, we, that's cool. next time we met for Heartland Head Start, we displayed that. And so, you know, when we do one for St. Jude, you know where that's going. That's going right. that, their incredible program where... Uh, you know, people don't pay St. Jude Hospital for it, you know, when they go there for the childhood cancer cases. And so that's going in, you know, an organization like that, you know, you don't know where your specific money went, but you know it went for uh, some, uh, you know, incredible needs. The stories are quite heartwarming. Mm-hmm. And they have more expenses than than that. So, I mean, doing one for an individual child helps the family cover some expenses that they're going through beyond the medical expenses. And those have been very successful when we have done ones for individual families. And not just St. Jude, there's Children's Organs Transplant Association, which will dedicate all the money that you raise for that child. And if you are so successful as enough to raise more than they need, which would be rare, but if you're if you're that successful with your fundraiser, the money will go to another child that is in need. So it, it's uh, and then there's one for uh, a service dog. Oh, hmm. so, uh, 
child with some disabilities needed a service dog, and we did did one for for that family. So there's, uh, but most of the time we do ABC runs for right now. We're doing eight ABC runs a year, and we have a core eight that, uh, and we haven't done any for an individual child in quite a while. But in total, we've done thirty different charities if you count the ones for the individual child mm-hmm. as a separate one. And so some of these, for example, the seedling theater, it's, you know, focused on some kind of organization that does enrichment for kids in the community. That's a, they, they do uh, theater programs for, for individuals with disabilities and then Sugar Grove Nature Mm -hmm. Center. I know that's a pretty popular field trip destination for a lot of the local schools because they've got the you know, they're, they're out in the woods and they can do all kinds of different youth programs out there. Yes, they do a lot of youth programs. And of course, uh, one year it was purchasing more books for their library. Mm-hmm. You know, something is, and, and you know, like the other time it was the equipment and software for the biology slides. Yeah, I think that's, um, I mean, there's a lot of different there's a lot of different programs in the community. And so I know that you have your regular ones. So you made this uh, comment the other day when we were getting ready for this interview, just about, um, I think you mentioned, you know, you, you might not be Jeff Bezos making this, you know, billion dollar contribution, but um, do you remember, do you remember when we were talking the other day about that? Right, right. It's not billions. It's not millions. It's, Amazingly, though, added up to a couple hundred thousand so far. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty impressive what you can do when you just do something consistently and when you can get a group together and get support that way. Yeah, we're not a big group. We're a small group. Like I say, it's typically 30 or 40 people at each event and giving typically, oh, you go through the bucket. You know, I don't, one thing is I don't keep, records on individual contributors yeah mm-hmm. in other words i in fact i will not tell you if, if we get a nice check for 500 dollars or something from someone is one of the things that's that's in the bucket i never release names mm-hmm. so that i don't know who gave what but i know who attended so i'm kind of like the teacher who takes attendance records <laughs> yeah but uh I don't like their grades. I would never divulge what what grades they had they had to anyone else. So um, we want to make everyone feel comfortable. So those that want to throw ten dollars in feel very welcome to come, and those that want to put in a check for twenty five or fifty dollars feel very welcome. If we get a big surprise, like somebody tosses in a good amount, uh, I will occasionally I have uh, the unusual ones. I've I started by contacting them and saying I. You know, the the point is being, you know, encouraging a social activity where we uh, we're giving is part of it. And we want to simulate or, you know, stimulate participation. And I don't have I I haven't thought about it, you know, about having a gold, bronze or silver or platinum, you know, you know, different organizations i know that might oh yeah that, that might that produce that. more thousand dollar givers or something mm-hmm. if you recognize them and maybe it's a good thing to recognize those that make a contribution like that so i say 
when I, I write a report up on each one of them, I say, would you like me to mention or do anything? And I stopped asking the question to people that give a lot. I just uh, say thank you because each one of them has said, no, I would rather it be anonymous. Yeah. And and not now in the future, somebody may, their own personal preference may be that it not be anonymous. But after after asking enough people, I've decided that's typically what they want. Uh, the mm-hmm. bigger givers is that they don't want that to be the focal point. And that's how we do it. I don't keep track. I do know in general about what percentage of all the contributions come from larger contributions, but I don't put names associated with them. Like gifts of $200 or more account for about a, a fourth of our giving. Wow. That's that's a substantial amount. Yeah. So 75% is coming from the people that are throwing. Uh, you see a lot of, on cash, you see a lot of $10 bills and $20 bills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People just open up their wallet and they're like, what's in here? <laughs> yeah. And anything. Yeah. And in, 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 in checks, I guess sometimes you can get uh, multiple $50 ones, but you know, mm-hmm. typically 20, 20, 30, 40, 50 is a typical. So uh, in other words, that's, that's our audience is it's a free will donation. You know, it's like throw something that you got in your billfold into the bucket. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like if it's cash and assuming that the small amounts will add up over time and they have just like when you go out for a run well if you ran four miles that day that doesn't sound like much but if you went out four times a week and you did that 50 weeks a year and you did that for 50 years hmm that was a lot yeah it is (laughs) so we've been doing this 18 years now we've completed our 18th year wow wow that's that's pretty impressive i think the nice thing too is there's also not a um there's not, there's, you don't take the time. So you could go out and walk a mile around the block if you wanted to, or you could go run 10 miles if you felt like it. There's also not a certain pressure to do a specific course, even though there's usually some courses mapped out for people. Yeah, a recommended course. But uh, in the announcement, I would say the course is such and such. Mm-hmm. But uh Turn around at any point, you know, make it an out and back to run as much as you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People do kind of, usually we have a couple groups. People kind of find find their separate packs, but it always is kind of a choose your own adventure. <laughs> I used to mark all the courses, but then when GPS became more popular, before the race, I'd say, y'all have GPSs now, so... I tell them where the course goes, but I wouldn't have every mile marked. Yeah, I I do remember that. It was a little bit more curated back before people had watches to tell them where to go. I remember, too, when we are out in the country doing sort of an impromptu adopt a highway kind of a thing where people always just throw their garbage out of their windows. So taking a trash bag and picking up the trash on the country roads and... (laughs) You would uh, get that bag pretty full after four or five miles, which. <laughs> yeah, we had, a, we had a few of us uh, doing that at a, at a couple of the events. Usually we don't, but uh, but if we do head out in the country, you know, you occasionally see those beer cans that are mm-hmm. uh, somehow made their way out into several miles from town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, they're kind of gross to pick up, but <laughs> I guess it's better than leaving it there on the road. <laughs> so what do you, if people want to get something started, if they're kind of looking to get involved in their community and they want to start something like this, I mean, what are the, what are the steps to just get started if they wanted to just start something simple like this? Well, this, this wasn't very planned. You know, we had Mm -hmm. five people attend our first one and it it grew by word of mouth. And then eventually I had an email list for those that wanted to be on an email list. And then the posting on Facebook and under the Lake Run Club Facebook uh, section. So I'd say just get started. Mm-hmm. There are, this is something after I started this a couple of years after starting this, I saw something about giving circles mm. as a term. Like people with a certain interest could be, it could be a reading club or something that get together on a regular basis and they decide to associate free will offering with uh, whatever they do. Or they form for a specific purpose of supporting charities in the area. And they're a group of friends that get together for coffee mm-hmm. and just say, well, once a month on our get togethers, if they get together once a week, how about once a month or four times a year? Uh, let's take a suggestion from one of us as to some charity that you know about that you've vetted and know that's very important in this community, or it could be beyond this community a lot. Uh, but my focus was central Illinois and of course St. Jude with the, with the St. Jude affiliate and mm-hmm. in uh, Peoria. I count that as local. Yeah. Obviously the seedling theater is very local. The baby fold is very local. Heartland Head Start is local here. So, I mean, uh, children's home and aid, you know, if they adopt a family, which is the most recent ABC run we did. Mm-hmm. That's local, and but I count St. Jude as local, even though they're quite national. But yeah, they affect us locally, right? Yeah, because we have the big run that comes through. So, yeah, do you just have what you do? Yeah, I mean, do you have to? I know that a lot of the organizations that you donate to are officially registered, but did you do you have to register anything or do anything officially, or can you just get started? What. What I did was I decided not to form an ABC run 501c3 charitable organization. There's that option to do that. But what we do is we operate as a intermediary. In other words, we're like a small group of friends going out for a run and we decide to do a free will offering and we give deliver the money to the charity. Mm-hmm. Most of the time we have a representative from the organization at our event. Even if we hold it, say, at Tipton Park, we ask a, rep- a representative of the organization to be there and maybe to greet us and say a few words and to receive the donations afterwards, which if they're not a they're not a runner or a walker, maybe that has them hanging around a little bit longer mm-hmm. than they might have if they just showed up to greet us and thank us, but I think it's worthwhile. And obviously when we are at say the baby fold and they're hosting it, well, they have to open the doors for us. Right. Yeah. And, and they're there. Uh, so in other words, we're just the 
kind of the organize uh, the organizer of the event and so it would be I, similar if you just wanted to make a donation to a charity. It's just a group of you making a donation. It's not right. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like we're a giving circle, and we decide yeah. to collect, a, collect uh, do a collection among a group of friends, and we send it in as one donation mm-hmm. uh, and say. In fact, that's the yeah. way it was kind of first worded when we didn't have a representative there, and we uh, sent a note saying a small group of friends got together and decided to pool our donations and and to donate and i think the reason we did it for then the first one was for timber point was i saw an article in the paper about how they were building a new a new meeting room there or building and we decided to donate for that of course the amount that we donated between five of us <laughs> was uh quite insignificant when it comes yeah. to the cost of building Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, um, that but every little bit counts. And so we had a little bit to kick in. Mm-hmm. And that's how we were. It was a small group of friends collected this, which is very unimpressive because, like I say, we've had many individual contributors contribute a lot more than we collected on that day. But uh, it became more impressive later. Well, you had to have the first, you have to have the first time doing anything to get it going, to get it to that point. Like most, most AB, uh, several ABC runs now, individual ABC runs generate more than we did for the whole nine ABC runs the first year. Oh, wow. Right. So building momentum is key. Yeah, I think, yeah, the first year we had like twelve, $1,300 in donations for the total of the nine. They're all very small, not many people contributing. Maybe a $260 day was one of the higher high points of the first year for one, for one individual charity. And it all added up to maybe $1,300. So uh, one piece of advice was don't be discouraged. You're in this for the long haul. Mm-hmm. And if there's anything to it, it will... It will take off. A few years after that, uh, we had grown quite a bit, and the local chapter of the American Marketing Association somehow awarded us the Nonprofit of the Year Award, oh. Nonprofit Marketer of the Year, which was funny because we did no marketing other than uh, the enthusiasm of fellow runners that would hear about this and bring their enthusiasm and their participation and contributions to the to the events so it wasn't like a marketing plan was laid out yeah like it just happened it materialized well you have a facebook page and you invite people to the event and there's some good pictures up on the page where can people go to if they happen to be in the bloomington normal area or if they just want to learn a little bit more about abc runs do you have a, a specific ABC Run Facebook page or? No, it's just the Lake Run Club uh, Facebook page. So you can join the Lake Run Club Facebook page to learn more about ABC Runs. All right. Well, thanks again for doing this. Yeah, you're welcome. And uh, thanks for asking me. Mm-hmm. 
before we wrap up, I wanted to share a couple things that came up in conversation after we stopped recording. There was one point in the conversation when Merlin mentioned that the very first year that he was running ABC runs, they generated about $1,200 for the full year. And they were doing about eight events or so per year, as he said in the episode. But now every time they hold an event, the average of what they make per event is more than what they made that entire first year. So I just wanted to point that out. This just started with something so simple as just a couple people getting together and throwing some money in a bucket, literally a drop in the bucket, which is how we sometimes feel our therapy is. But I promise consistency pays off. And there really are a lot of ways that you can make things happen, whether it be at work, or whether it be through volunteer activities, when you approach it with an attitude of resourcefulness and creativity. So what I would ask you to do today is if you felt inspired by this episode, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And feel free to share this episode with your friends. And finally, if you know someone who is a leader in your community or your facility and has done something amazing and you think that they have a great story to tell, or maybe if you've done something that you're really proud of, then I would love to share that story on the show. All you need to do is email me at talktome at drkarenspeech.com and let me know and we will consider you for an interview on the DeFacto Leaders podcast. Again, that's talk to me at drkarenspeech.com. For now, we'll wrap up, but thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the next episode. to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments without just teaching to the test, you can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com backslash BE to learn how IXL's research-based teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com backslash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into the master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. 
That's myflexlearning.com backslash B-E.